The Cooped Up Podcast is brought to you guys by Anchor.fm. People are always asking me, Koopa, how do I start my own podcast? And my answer, Anchor is the best place to go. Anchor is the easiest way to start your own podcast. It's free and it includes easy to use tools to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Not only is it easy to use, but Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on sites like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many, many more platforms. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So, do you want to start a podcast about sports, music, literature? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. gentlemen welcome back to another episode of the cooped up podcast the podcast that also dropped 50 on the washington wizards last night but nobody seems to be talking about it quite disappointing as always folks my name is koopa and each week i sit down with one of my friends and we just kind of shoot the crap about whatever we're doing to keep ourselves busy in these trying times and this week folks i am sitting down uh with one of my favorite people whom i've crossed paths with with this match community uh, he is uh, coming to us uh, from the uh, the great north uh, of uh, coming us from Canada. Uh, he is the commissioner of the uh, the Royal Battle Association, which we're going to be talking about a little bit today. Uh, community leader from Toronto, uh, Ontario, and a, a a sad Toronto Raptors fan and one of my favorite humans, as mentioned. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm, cooped up welcome to my friend Mickle. Mickle, my man, how are you? Uh, it's uh, it's been a minute. I've been I've been great, man. Um, all things considered, uh, been hanging in there for uh, for the last you know fourteen months or so. Uh, lots of ups, lots of downs, but uh, overall, feeling pretty good. Yeah, man. I I totally feel that. You know, uh, <laughs> in in a trying times. You know, as I I talk a lot about on the show how you know a lot of the people that I I have guests on are obviously people that I know. You know, not just from the Smash community, but they are. Uh, primarily from the United States, you're actually our first international guest. So uh, congratulations to you. You've uh, you've br- broken new uh, ground here on the podcast. Nice. Where's my shovel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, I it's coming to you in the mail. It's probably going to take a while. They That's okay. I know. <laughs> they might have oh, disinfected. They might have to miss this disinfected in the mail for COVID or something. So. Totally fair. It's worth the wait. I mean, I've had, uh, you know, a few uh, interesting uh, shipping wait times, but uh, actually not this pandemic, because usually I've been just ordering locally, so it's okay. That's awesome. So, yeah, obviously you're, you're coming to us uh, from, uh, you know, the uh, the aforementioned uh, Toronto, Canada, a home of, yeah. uh, you know, not only some, some great Super Smash Brothers, but also a failed vacation site to me. That that's another thing that on a, on a growing list of things that COVID took away from me was uh, I was going to go to uh, get on my level for the first time uh, this past coming year. And uh, yeah, I will have to, uh, that, that Vince, that Vince Carter Jersey is going to sit longingly in my, in my shopping cart until then, uh, because I refuse to buy it unless I can actually wear it in Canada. I blame you. You know what? Uh, It's definitely a good, uh, good little relic to bring up. I know uh, it wasn't too long ago when people were very uh, uh, iffy about Vince Carter because of, I guess, the way he left the team and all that jazz. But uh, a lot of people have come around, myself included. I definitely was in uh, 
in the camp that hated his guts when uh, when he left. Obviously, uh, I was too young to understand that our front office was, or, and our ownership was very incompetent. But you know what? It is what it is. And uh, you know what? Time time tends to heal most, if not all, wounds. So definitely looking forward to that. And Gommel, obviously, uh, I think Joe just announced he's got uh, the usual dates booked up for next year, uh, which is actually around this time, uh, May 20th, 22nd, 2022. So yeah, I, I, I'm very... I'm I'm very excited to uh to uh don because I I've decided what what one of my gimmicks because you know one of my many gimmicks as a commentator is I love to wear like my aesthetic is substitute teacher in the winter you know I like I love to wear like argyle sweaters and like you know I like to look like that I can you know I'm probably like subbing in for like a high school English class and they're probably all gonna dominate me because Gen Z terrifies me but um you know <laughs> none the wiser I've always uh I decided that my summer commentary gimmick is going to be sports jerseys so i've uh i i've already uh, eyed some some fun ones uh you know f- uh, for for next year so it's going to be a good time that's it because uh i know this like the last couple well, last summer and especially this summer uh because of the way the schedules have been moved around the sports calendar is kind of cracked around these times of year now because you've got Playoffs starting up. You've got European Championship going on as well next month. So definitely a lot to look forward to in that sense. But uh, you know what? I, I want to say one more thing about the uh, substitute teacher uh, gimmick that you uh, you <laughs> usually do. I mean, I'll be honest. I love my substitute teachers because it usually meant that a they were pretty cool and b uh, be a lot more laid back. And uh, you know, I think that's what uh, that's something to remember and appreciate. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. That's definitely my my take. I have a uh, a a, uh, a one standout memory from high school of a substitute teacher, and yeah. I forget this guy's name, but he was great. He was he was only really with us for like a few weeks. I think he was. I think he like took a job somewhere else as he was subbing for us. Um, uh-huh. he uh did a like f- like like shot for shot like perfect rendition of the bad romance dance, <laughs> and it was fire it's like it's like lived rent free in my brain for over a decade it is like one of the coolest things i've ever seen in my entire life damn i'm i'm now i'm now i'm now sad that i didn't know you in high school because i probably would have seen this too you know? oh yeah that would have been really cool <laughs> okay. yeah, it, it was great but uh yeah so uh my stay tuned for what sports jersey i don uh when i when i reach into canada next year actually i've made it quite easy for myself because um yeah. Shout out to uh, to um, Toronto Blue Jay great uh, Alex Rios. He's the reason that I can actually use my government given last name in MLB the show because uh, he exists and that's a, a name that I can hear the announcers say uh, over the air. So uh, I, I uh, take great pride in uh, you know in uh, yeah in in uh, Puerto Rico's very own. Very excited for that. You know, I do want to say this. Alex Rios was actually touted as, like, a future superstar at one point when he was coming up with us. And for a couple seasons with us, he actually was an all-star. And then uh, he left, was a solid producer, but I don't think he ever really lived up to what he was supposed to be. Still, I think he was pretty cool, and I I liked watching him when he was on our team. So, it was nice. Oh, yeah, 100%. Also, uh, yeah, uh, represented... um... Uh, represented Team Puerto Rico, obviously in the World Baseball Classic back in uh, yes, sir, in uh, in 2013. Uh, stack team, by the way, one of my favorite hats that I own. Not a big hat person, but uh, that was a uh, who, that 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 was a uh, that was quite that was cool. Fun. 
Yeah, Yadier, yeah, Yadier Molina, Carlos Beltran, like <laughs> totally stacked. Like the I, I wish the World Baseball Classic was a bigger deal whenever it came around every like <clears throat> four years because I think it's I think it's cool. You know, it's fun to watch Japan dominate like every cycle. It's fun to see like which. You know, uh, you know, American teams take the take the stands. It's always kind of fun to see that. You know, in a in an era of time where you know national pride is is, is fleeting and, and very few and far between, uh, it is kind of nice to see sports kind of bring people together, albeit for a few months. Absolutely, I remember the one year Canada beat the U.S. That was funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was indeed a thing. I have a, uh, I forgot what it was. I think it might have been a Team Canada versus Team Mexico or somebody, but like. I think because of the rules of the World Baseball Classic, if you, like, didn't score, like, X amount of runs, then, like, you weren't going to, like, make it out of the pools phase. And I, I think, like, Team Canada, like, bunted, like, with the bases loaded to, like, score a run. And I don't think uh, the uh, Team Mexico, like, understood, like, why they were doing that. So they showed a shot of the third baseman calling for the pitcher to hit the next guy coming up. And he did it. And then a bases – and, you know, then a brawl ensued. And then in the press conference, the manager was like, oh, yeah, I uh, I, I didn't know that was a thing. My bad. <laughs> so it was like, oh, this is awkward. <laughs> I'll tell you, man, there is there is definitely uh, some interesting things that happen there. But, yeah, like, I'd love to see I'd love to see it either just like get more interest or just kind of like be relaunched and just re-promoted. Because I, I love international tournaments, like you said. It just it just brings even more people together. And I feel like they're talked about more than, say, like general sports leagues in certain circles because national pride is on the line sometimes you know as fleeting as that is it's it's good to have that especially when you know it's your country up against another country and one goal or one run or one point will make all the difference so yeah i you know i never got to skip class uh you know to watch like a world series game but like i definitely got to skip classes in high school to watch you know the u.s men's team or the u.s women's team like you know, uh, advance in, in the uh, in the World Cup, you know, every four years or however it, it you know, and yeah. so on and so forth. It was fun. So, you know, whenever – I believe, if if I remember correctly, I think the World Baseball Classic was supposed to happen last season. Um, but obviously – the pandemic, yeah. Yeah, you know, global pandemic uh, canned any, uh, you know, advancement of that happening. But, you know, we can <clears> – we, we could talk more about, uh, you know, baseball and such and other sports uh, coming up soon because we, we got a lot – stuff to cover today but i, I want to append this question by first by asking do you remember like when it, it became like you know like fact that we became homies I, I was i've been trying to remember for the longest time because you know we've both been yeah you know we, we've both been members of our own respective scenes for for quite a while and like you eventually just kind of like you know like <laughs> gravitate towards people and like you know we each have uh, have a, a bunch of mutual friends and stuff and like i i keep sometimes like the memories just kind of fall through the cracks and I'm just like, I've been trying to remember. It's like, when did we first start like kicking it with each other? Cause you're always somebody who I look forward to seeing, you know, every, you know, couple of months, whenever we, you know, populate the same spaces and tournaments. Uh, but I'm trying to remember the first time that actually happened. I don't know if you have any collect a better collective memory than I do. Likewise. I, I can't say for sure. Cause I know that after a while, all the events just blend together. Um, I'm sure you feel the same way. Um, but I know it's like recently, like in 2019, I think that's when we started to kind of like interact more per se. So yes. I want to, I want to say it was definitely before then, but I think that's when we started to actually start to kind of more, more so connect with each other rather than just a simple, hi, how's it going? Bye. 
uh, see you next time kind of deal. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, that 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 definitely tracks. And like, <clears throat> you know, you, uh, you we we both obviously you know uh, have a lot of mutual friends that you know share a lot of same interests. You know, not just outside of sport, outside of you know esports, because you know we both yeah. enjoy Super Smash Brothers and we both enjoy like you know the nerdier side of things. But we're also adults and humans who have other interests and stuff. Obviously, sports you know, being a big one and other video games in general. And those are the type of people that I always like to keep in my like immediate circle. Cause like, you know, it, it, it gives you more things to do when you're at tournaments. You know, I, as much as I enjoy like the, uh, you know, the, the bingo card things of, uh, to do at smash tournaments, which consists of spending too much money, uh, probably getting sick at one point getting, you know, probably getting Korean barbecue, like more than twice throughout the course of a weekend. Like, you make a bingo card? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Mentally, I make a bingo card, but it's just one of those okay. things where it's like, yeah, like, I gotta, there, there's there's certain beats that definitely get hit in a, in a lot of these weekends. But, like, you know, some of the times it's like, oh, yeah, like, you know, God forbid, you know, someone flies into a tournament on a day early and, like, you know, we can watch a basketball game or something or, you know, we can talk about sports and do something dumb. And Or, like, what you said in, in the in the sound test you love to do you love you love to just walk around and just like explore different areas and i think that's great because one of my favorite one of the things that i miss the most about you know traveling and going to tournaments is just being able to explore an area that i've never been in before because that's something i definitely took for granted a lot of you know before the lockdown happened and it's something i am definitely going to try to do more of you know whenever uh things get back to a a sense of somewhat normalcy, you know, is is definitely try to explore, you know, the the various cities that, you know, gamers uh, tend to populate every you know couple of weekends out of the year. Sure. No, I've, I I'm the same way. Like uh, back before the pandemic happened, I definitely took my, I guess like my time for granted. I wouldn't really explore. Like I I would get in a day early and leave like a day later, at usually at every event because I want to make sure I have enough time to kind of like fly and fly out, be comfortable with things. Um, but ever since I've now shifted to like work from home and, um, having a lot more free time and being able to set routines and whatnot, I've, uh, definitely, uh, had that now as I do it, had that longing feeling of when things do get back to normal. I just want to kind of like take some time and, uh, make the most out of said time. So do you have a we'll favorite, happen. did you have a favorite city in the U S that you like, you know, if there's a, a, a tournament in that given city that like you, it's one of your, you know, go-to places throughout the year that you just love to go to. My number one go-to right now is actually New York City, and here's why. Because hey. I last went there, I last went there ten years ago, but it was with my parents, so it definitely wasn't the uh, free-form experience. And uh, I would just love a chance to check it out myself. And uh, pretty much, yeah. Like I think because New York City, in a way, has a lot of similarities to Toronto. At least, at least Manhattan does. But hey, yeah, well, uh, yeah. When the time comes, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it. That's good I know to it's know. <laughs> that, 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 that's good to know. It's good to know if I visit Toronto, I can get lost and like you know, I can I, I can uh, navigate the streets as I would if I got lost in New York City, which is just uh, it, it, it's uh, it's promising because I I am I, as much as I enjoy to explore, uh, I am the king at getting lost going anywhere because I have zero sense of direction. It is it's I am truly lost without a GPS. I would not survive in the woods under any circumstances. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say try walking in a square or a circle, but hey, you know, sometimes you just forget and you just like say, "Hey, you know what? That looks pretty cool. I'm gonna go this way. I'm gonna go down this road, and I'm gonna go on this road." It's like, oh no, hold on, where are we now? <laughs> yeah, see, so, so see, some people navigate via street signs. I navigate by wherever I can get like the best sandwich in a given area. So, I'm a big big sandwich guy in these neck of the woods. You know what? 
Can't disagree. That's uh, that's a pretty good motivation uh, motivational tool to do. <laughs> yeah, no, but uh, yes, let's. Uh, you know, uh, we are. You know, we. we I. I. I've. I've definitely. Uh, you know, been warming up to the idea of like getting excited to go back to tournaments. You know, whenever that may be. You know, as long yeah. as I can keep myself from, you know, being safe and like not getting sick or like dying or anything. Uh, that right. would be great, you know. Admittedly, as uh, you know, we are on the heels of uh, the biggest qualifying leg of the Smash World Tour uh, this weekend, uh, which is going That's to right. feature you know a, a large portion of the Eastern Seaboard, uh, and I guess some parts of the Midwest, which, for reasons unbeknownst to me, you know, I, it's it's, it's going to be fun. But uh, it's, where, where's your all? Where's you know? I understand because you know, obviously you're in Canada. You know, uh, uh, COVID. Uh, you know, it's, it's still like a, a very much an, in the forefront, uh, you know, in Canada and such with whether it be with vaccine rollouts. And I understand certain parts of the of the, uh, you know, of the country are still like very much under lockdown. So, like, where are you like at your overall like excitement level of like the notion of going to a smash tournament maybe by the end of the year? Uh, by the end of the year, absolutely. A hundred percent. I'm pretty excited about that because obviously as people get vaccines, we're up to what I think. uh I know compared to the compared to the US it's nothing special but we're at like 57% of all adults vaccinated with first dose in Ontario at least. So judging by that and judging that the fact that we're actually, you know, getting more in, um I feel confident that we'll be able to get events up either by the end of Q3, so like Septemberish. Um getting back into it and uh, trying to run from there. Obviously scope of the tournament is uh like size and depending on who wants to open up their venues again, all depends on the individuals and the TOs and all that jazz. But uh, uh, yeah, by the end of the year, I think we'll absolutely have, we'll be back in a full swing, quote unquote, uh, obviously masking rules and whatnot. We'll wait on, but uh, looking, uh, looking over, over to your guys' side, uh, obviously you've got uh, some stuff happening soon. <laughs> Infinity con. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you know, this we is, haven't this even is, opened yeah. This is my Sorry, reminder. I was, gonna say, I was gonna say this is my reminder to you folks that we are not coming to you from Florida. Um, no. Shout out to Florida, but no, thank you, Florida. At the same time, no, thank you. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> we haven't even opened indoor buildings. We won't until probably like at least June second, if not later. So yeah. Yeah, I know a oh. lot of the stuff in in my neck of the woods. You know the the you know the tri-state area, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and you know Pennsylvania as a as a subsection of that. Um, I believe as of yesterday uh, or today in New Jersey, um, I think a lot of places are like allowed to open up at 100 percent capacity, which, oh, wow. yeah, it, it's it, in, in my opinion, it feels a little soon. But, uh, you know, the, the vaccine rollout has been very good. Uh, you know, ICU cases are down, which is, you know, obviously the important thing. The science, b- believe it or not, is working. Yep. I don't I don't I don't, you know, shockingly enough, you know, if you listen to, to the scientists and not talking heads on your television uh you know you you will uh, understand that you know these things are are working you know obviously you know uh you know from what i understand a lot of places i've been to have, have you know definitely still taken their precautions uh you know very nicely and even in my neck of the woods you know where a lot of you know vaccinated like smash locals uh you know are popping up they're really being vigorous with people it's like hey like you know if, if you can get vaccinated and, you know, that's cool. If you can't, you know, like, you know, you have to wear, you know, at least like wear a mask like the whole time or whatever. And, you know, they're definitely uh, the T- the TOs that have decided to like, you know, start opening things up again. have definitely started are definitely doing a good job, you know, making everybody feel safe. Um, 
I would love to be able to like safely go to something by like the end of the year. Cause you know, admittedly, like as much as I've enjoyed this like time off and the, you know, commentating from home is, has been an adventure. Um, sometimes for the good, it's, yeah, you just want to see people again. I think I yeah. was just going to like race out and say, cause I'm feeling that exact same way. And it's just like, you know what? It's great. Sometimes hopping in a voice call with the homies and all that, but it's like after a while it just gets old. And when you can't see anybody in person, for whatever reasons it might be, even either if it's, you know, you're self-conscious, you don't want to, you know, hang out with people if you're not fully vaccinated or the government just straight up doesn't allow for certain things to happen. Yeah, it, it, it wears on you. And I agree. Yeah. So, yeah. And I, like I actually got around to like seeing a few of my friends like a couple of weeks ago. You know, we've have all, you know, gotten our shots and we're all like past a threshold, which, you know, we can hang out with each other, you know, with peace of mind. And if there's one thing I, I definitely have to exercise, it's my social batteries again, because <laughs> hanging out with people like I forgot how like exhausting that could like be on long periods of time, because like I don't realize that when I'm I never realized that when I was at events. Um, but, you know, right. I'm, I'm just so like hopped up on adrenaline by like seeing people that by the time I eventually get back to wherever I might be staying, I just crawl into bed and die. So, like, I definitely need to get better at like you know, uh, prolonging my social interactions with people for, like, longer than, you know, like, 20 minutes, 20 feet away from somebody on their front lawn. True. It's so true. I guess, like, that's one thing that uh, is going to be asked of us to when we when we get back to things. And I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about that myself. Um, usually, I hype myself on my own adrenaline, and uh, I don't notice I'm about to crash until, like, I start crashing. <laughs> and then at that point, it's just yeah. too late. I've had several instances where I'm just, like, hanging in the hotel room with the homies, and all of a sudden my eyes are just shutting. It's like, oh, no. Oh, I gotta go to sleep. Damn it. <laughs> but you know what? It's okay. I think uh, some of the stuff that I've been doing uh, over the last year or so is probably going to get me in a better better headspace and better physically and mentally i guess as well um i've actually done a thing that's helped me out maybe uh cut down my coffee consumption great so hey welcome to the club (laughs) i used to be regularly at like two to three cups a day and now i'm at one and like once a week i've had two cups a day so it's just we've been gradually moving down so i'm i'm hopeful that can continue and just i just stick at one just right at the morning to get me going, and you know we'll uh, we'll see where it carries me. Dude, it is so hard to cut back mm-hmm. on coffee. I realize I've been yeah. trying to like cut myself back a lot too. You know whether uh you know not just from like you know drinking more than you know two cups of coffee a day or like one cup of coffee a day, but also like not trying to buy out as much coffee as I do because I didn't realize it until I like you know started yeah. sitting down and like budgeting a bit. But it's like I spend so much money on coffee a week it is disgusting like uh granted i can you know i find deals wherever i can um but like i've i've definitely been trying to like you know cut myself back to like if i have a cup of coffee a day it's like well before noon like i can't i i use when i was like at like peak like you know you know work and like having to go to tournaments like multiple times like a week or whatever i was drinking coffee like well after like the sun had went down and that's just not good so I'm definitely trying to like cut back on that, and some some days I even go like with the, the whole day without drinking coffee. It's 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 painful, but I've somehow managed to make it work. I haven't done that yet. I don't know if I'll get that far. I think if I just like <laughs> level off at one. Listen, man, I told myself when I was a young kid, I was like, I'm not gonna get addicted to.
yeah, I'm not going to get addicted to coffee. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, my God, Tim Hortons ice caps. What are these? And then, uh, yeah, I just got hooked on coffee. I'm like, uh-oh, that's a slippery slope. Although, yeah. uh, similar to you, I have not purchased uh, coffee much, if at all, maybe like three times this entire pandemic wow. that I haven't made myself. So, yeah. God bless you. You Not all heroes wear capes. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I, I have also, <laughs> that's that's true you were you were a very well-dressed person um but um yes um it's funny you mentioned that i remember the exact moment where i realized that coffee is actually not like the worst thing in the world i remember my mom used to make fun of me forever she was like you used to hate coffee like you know my brother would drink coffee was drinking coffee in uh in like high school and like i think he would start drinking coffee when he was 14 and i'm just like oh god that sounds disgusting but like i um I remember I had coffee once when I was in, like, high school, and I hated it. And then I got to college, and I'm like, you know, you're telling me they could put sugar and milk in this stuff? Are, are you crazy? And sure enough, you know, Pandora's box is open, and I have I've been struggling to close it for years. Hi, brother. I'm there with you. <laughs> Although, to be fair, once you get a hold on that lid, it gets a lot easier. It just, it just takes a bit. Oh, yeah, 100%. But, you know, we are... Well, you know, we we're we're out here, and you know, there are sure. some, uh, uh, you know, some some things that I wanted to talk to you about today, and I'm I'm very happy that you reached out, uh, you know, to to be on the show because you, like a lot of us, have been trying to keep busy, you know, while, uh, you know, the big just of why I started this podcast is, you know, catch up with my friends, you know, take advantage of the fact that I really like to talk about television and like, you know, and you know, video games and however other stuff that I love to, uh you know, to talk about, but you've also been someone that's kept busy in, in quarantine as well. You know, we talked about at the top of the, uh, you know, of the, the podcast earlier in this year, you launched the Royal Battle Association, which is a Pokemon draft league. So why don't you go ahead and, and tell the folks at home, like, uh, you know, how that whole process has been as we're, you know, five uh, plus months into the year. Sure, absolutely. So the Royal Battle Association is something that I uh, wanted to do after, um, well, first things first, I actually started playing in draft leagues or like kind of joining the communities for those in 2019. Although it was more of a subset of our of some of our wonderful people in the Ontario Smash community that were running them. So, um I joined one. I didn't start off very well because I wasn't really like able to immediately get the idea of what the difference was between say like standard ladder and draft league. And that's one of the big things you have to like come to terms with because only you're you're only allowed to draft like one of each pokemon and once it's like taken it's off the board so like you won't see the same teams every week at all but at the same time if there's like something you really really wanted to build around and try you can't exactly put it together so i've played in a few i ended up doing all right by the end of the season because i started to get the hang of things but i found i really enjoyed um watching observing uh, writing down strategies and kind of like doing some behind the scenes stuff as I usually do because I used to TO a lot, right? So um, I kind of participated and hung out in a few of my friends' draft league servers. There have been a few that are in our bubble that have been created. So we had the general like starter league. We have another one that's more catered towards, I guess, beginners and uh, a closer group of friends. We have a gimmick league and then. In January, I decided, well, actually, technically in December, because obviously, you know, I didn't 
immediately think about it overnight and put it together in 24 hours. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I I figured, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to cover one more side of this uh this equation and I'm going to bring in the money league. Now, the money isn't like amazing, but it's it's something and it rewards you for, you know, participating in a 10 to 13 week season um and and allows you to really just kind of take uh take uh, Pokemon battling to a to a different uh to a different avenue. So, um first season I ended up Putting together in January, I got 16 teams together, um, both from various walks of life, mostly from the Smash communities, a lot from Ontario, but some from uh, from from the great US of A. And um, we ended up uh, running a 10-week season. Um, no major hiccups. Uh, we'd have a couple of replacement coaches come in when uh, commitments were too much for a couple of our players. And that, that, that does tend to happen because like, it's like a fantasy draft in a sense. You have to commit week over week. And uh, obviously, if, you know, things come up and you're not able to continue the commitment, totally understandable. We're all human after all. But uh, yeah, we ended up uh, running that. Uh, we just had our finale this past Sunday. I'm not sure if you uh, did watch, but uh, we crowned a our first champion um, thanks to a Dragon Dance sweeping Mew. Uh, <laughs> I, caught, so. I caught wind of that near the end of it. And I was just like, oh, my yeah. goodness, this is incredible. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's really fun. Like, it, there's there's so much to to unpack when it comes to that because it's when you build and draft teams and put them together for a draft league, it's totally different from the things you would consider in ladder. Because ladder, you're just running like max stats, like straight up, like max speed, max attack, or offensive stat, or like max HP, max defensive stat, and then just usually sticking it and being like, hey, you know what, this is it. For this, you have to consider b tiers you got to consider item choices because in this there's item clause so you're only limited to one item per pokemon for the six that you bring so that allows you to map out what pokemon has what item or what sets they're running or what they could potentially speed creep on top of that more options are usually available for pokemon to hit coverage options or try different sets or fill different roles so i think that's one of the things that I wanted to bring more to the limelight in addition to uh, the leagues that my friends have been doing, but because I kind of wanted to do my own thing and also put this out to, there to more people, because I feel like there's not enough uh, people that play Pokemon and know about draft leagues. So I wanted to kind of get this up as somebody who I guess has crossed paths with a lot of people. And I see a lot of people on the timeline talking about Pokemon, talking about battling, whether it be like ladder, VGC, all that jazz. And I was like, you know what? Let's start this up. Why not? Yeah, no, that's that's so cool. And like as someone my, as myself, who like I'm very, um, you know, I, I, I love Pokemon. Pokemon's one of my favorite games. I've talked at multiple times, you know, with different people about Pokemon on, on the podcast. And um, I, I, the, uh, the concept of, poke, of uh, competitive Pokemon has always been something that I've wanted to, like, try and, like, get my feet wet in. But that, like, competitive floor, even though, you know, Game Freak and Pokemon Company has done, you know, uh, like, loads to make that much, much more accessible, you know, for the casual person like me. It's just been one of those things where it's, like, I, I don't have that sort of resource to, like, you know, sit down and, and do it myself. But I love watching other people do it. You know, I love watching VGC. You know, obviously, I... Uh, you know, I I remember, um, you know, I was in high school, you know, watching a lot of, uh, you know, 
Poketubers and, and you know and such, you know, do uh, a lot of online battling and stuff like that. That's where I really got my feet wet with the concept of competitive Pokemon. Um, you know, because I didn't know jack shit when I was a kid. I was just like, oh yeah, if, you know, <laughs> like anytime I like <laughs> went to a competitive setting uh, where there was also an anime attached, I just I looked like such a fucking fool. Like these these <laughs> these people ate me for lunch, Mickle. I remember I went to <laughs> I remember I went to a Yu Gi Oh tournament when I was like nine or ten. And, like, I remember, like, I showed this guy, like, the card I was going to play. And he's like, don't do that. This isn't the cartoon. And I'm like, oh, no. This is terrible. I'm sure we've had all of those uh, regretful moments when we're just a young kid. We don't know any better. I uh, I used to enter uh, Pokemon TCG tournaments when I was around that age, too. So can definitely relate. Had a few of those moments myself. I was... uh, Definitely just an excited, energetic little kid, you know? Yeah. I just wanted to believe in the heart of the cards. What's wrong with that? Like, come on. Nothing. Nothing at all. And you can still believe in the heart of the cards. I mean, you know what? I, I still do. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got one with me all the time, man. You already know. I got the, I got Ryan. Oh, oh that's oh, that's true. I, that's, I completely forgot mm-hmm. about that. I uh I recently I found like some like bootlegged just from God cards that I like some kid like gave them to me when I was in like the fourth grade and I'm just like oh. uh these are cool. I can't use these in like competitive tournament because like they're definitely made out of like cereal boxes, but like they look cool at the very least. Like you know, I, I I've definitely uh, I I've used. I think I put them on uh in a brief stint when I was on Tinder. I like put the picture of them on my Tinder profile, and like with the few people that got the joke, they got the joke. So I was just like, all right, this this is stuck. This works. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And I guess it's like. Uh... <laughs> PCG obviously was something that you had to have like consistent money for to purchase things and obviously you know as a kid you don't really have that disposable income so it was fun while it lasted but I was like eh, I can't really keep up with this right now so to talk more about like the you know the RBA so like as a com- yes. what, what were some of the trials and tribulations that you experienced you know being a commissioner like like you said you know that you had to deal with you know some some coaching changes and stuff but also the fact that you're doing all of this remotely like as someone yeah. who's part who's participated in any sort of competitive setting thing like at home like seeing the lengths that people go to to like organize things like from an at home scenario like you know whether it be people that like um you know, record content from home, you know, like, you know, like podcasts, like what I'm doing or like, you know, running tournaments from home or you know, the, the, the lengths that people have to jump through to do so, uh, especially you as someone that you also has like a full-time job, you know, outside of, of, uh, you know, just doing the general esports stuff. So like, what were some of like the things that like, uh, you know, you learned along the way of doing this first season? Absolutely. So one of the big things I learned was that, uh, obviously I, in the first season, you have to navigate some interesting situations and you try a lot of things and sometimes accepting things that just don't work as well as you think it would. Um, I know that I tried to push a lot to have every match streamed for season one, and I did do that. Um, I guess just my only gripe with that is uh, it kind of took a little bit out of me when I was trying to balance that and my work-life balance. Um, obviously trying to get all that together because I got to, you know, set up for stream, get all the, um, get all the overlays, get everything loaded up. Obviously I can only do it at a time when I'm available. So it depends on what I'm doing outside of work or any of that jazz, um, and getting all that together. And then also making sure that the people that are in my league can actually play at certain times. So trying to negotiate all of that is one thing in itself. Um, I also do think that, um, I guess, like, streaming matches, it, it is good 
And it definitely helps bring a little bit of exposure, but I feel like I was also overdoing it and over-promoting it a lot. And a lot of people sometimes don't realize that they're doing that. Sure. I did, but I wanted to stick to my commitment just to get every match out for, for season one, because I made that promise to. And I kind of, you know, had that little bit of pride, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to do that because I said I would. But I'm already, like, planning for season two. I'm just going to dial it back. And I'm only going to stream matches on, like, guaranteed Sundays and then maybe, like, another time when I'm, like, free during the week. But people can are more than happy to play, like, offline just through the general showdown server without me streaming. But obviously, because I am who I am and I want to make sure that everybody's sets are legal, I always check before the match goes on to ensure that I had a closet some broken, there's no, like, moveset issues, all that jazz, because I do have a list of clauses that... Uh, I have on my actual league doc, which is actually another big thing I wanted to get into for this. Um, one big thing, uh, Koopa, about running a draft league is you have to have a good doc. Sure, I you believe have, it. You have to have a good document in order to run the league. You need to make sure everything is clear cut, it's visible. Um, you also want to make sure uh, you're not doing as much work as you have to on the doc. And early on, almost none of my doc was like automated so i had to like <laughs> manually input everything for the first week or so and that will on top of me trying to stream everything balancing work and you know doing all that jazz it uh, wasn't fun <laughs> i'll tell you that on top of that i was also doing side events every second weekend so week one also had the side event so yeah, you could just imagine how uh, how crazy the, the start of uh, season one was. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah, like p power to you, man. That that's a lot of stuff. What was the what was your favorite team that you like you ran or like someone else ran like throughout the course of the season? Because like the concept of like a draft league with like you know the yeah. item clauses and like all you know, all the shenanigans you can run into in like a general like singles game of showdown, uh, yeah. it can can be kind of hectic as someone that like spent some time like. Years ago on the ladder, you know, running some broken teams and having some very unkind things said about my mother in an internet chat. So, like, what are some what are some uh, some of your highlights from the season that you really enjoyed? One of the highlights from the season, I think one of the early ones was uh, when uh, my good friend Benji, who is the coach of the Carson Mercros, um, switched in Scarf Gardevoir on on Iligo, traced Beast Boost, and reverse swept. <laughs> that was glorious because as, oh, shit. as soon as Nile Ego went down I think the other person just spent five minutes calcing to try and figure out a way out of this mess and they just could not win like literally the whole battle at that point was, was effectively a rollover because of, uh, of that it, it, it's all those like weird little nuanced things you have to watch out for in a draft league that, that could just get you if you're not careful um, there was another one as well where, um, somebody, I guess, kept trying to set up with, uh, with their Primarina, with Calm Mind, and, um, they got too greedy on multiple occasions, but it, it only took until, like, the third time for the other trainer to realize that this guy was just trying to mash the button without checking calcs and figuring out how to obliterate this team. No, and then Jesus. just kind of went in and just life orb Gengar at him and won the battle. There was another one that went like 150 turns because one person was trying to stall with Silvali Fairy with rest and sleep talk or rest talking. And the other person had basically couldn't lose, but they didn't know how to break it for the longest time. So the battle went 100 turns longer than necessary. And it was just like, <laughs> I want to go home. <laughs> that is like. 
that is like the the Pokemon equivalent of like you know, two players yeah. are sandbagging in grand finals and it goes to a game ten reset and it's like one o'clock at night. The Taco Bell closed two hours ago and you have not eaten since lunch that day. And it's like God, like what did I do to deserve this right now? Nah, for sure. I think it's just like I kind of was there, and I it was like a tra- it was like trainer I couldn't like look away from because at the end of the day, this is my league. So like, all right, you know what? This uh, I just gotta sit through it and uh, and just have fun. And, I think uh, that you know. I think that's so awesome. And like as, like I yeah. mentioned, as much as I enjoy like the VGC format of Pokemon, you know, it's it's brought me great joy. You know, whenever I get to watch, uh, you know, any of of the the high profile Pokemon events that happen throughout the year but you know but it's it's that thing where it's like doubles is just kind of it's, it's a little gets a little dry that's why i've always enjoyed like you know watching the content of people doing things differently whether it be you know showdown battles or like challenge battles or, or like what you've been doing with, with the draft league and i think yeah. that is super cool if you're someone who's you know very you know entry level into competitive pokemon i think vgc can be a little overwhelming at times and there's tons of other you know there's tons of great content creators out there people that break it down you know to a fine powder for you but like definitely just like you know uh watch some some showdown content because you know pokemon showdown gives you all the resources you need you know it it, it breaks everything down for you uh you know to the real bite-sized pieces and you know you can get to run these pokemon in singles and then you know see how you can you know feng shui that into into a functioning doubles team i remember spending like i said so many man hours i think it was when x and y like just dropped First and drop? like yeah. yeah and i think uh i think yeah mega kangaskhan oh was yeah mega kangaskhan is that the the one that was broken yeah. mega kangaskhan is still broken yeah even though it's not <laughs> technically in the game anymore it's still broken because of one thing and one thing only uh two times size we toss anyways continue <laughs> <laughs> yeah like back when like it was like it was like day one but like um, like yeah. mega kangaskhan was was absolutely busted and like again i had people say so many rude things to me uh, in, in, in the Pokemon showdown chat. And I've, I've never felt better about myself, uh, before, but, uh, listen, I, I, I love it. I think it's cool. Um, I'm, I'm definitely getting into a, a Pokemon mood again. I've been casually playing through actually believe it, uh, after the aforementioned Pokemon X and Y, uh, again, recently, you know, just to kind of keep my, my brain busy because I have a feeling we might, you know, we get, get some, some new Pokemon news potentially coming at E3. Obviously Pokemon snap just dropped. Um, yep. I haven't got a chance to play it yet because it's been sold out everywhere, uh, and that's not a game I want to like download on my Switch to like take up space. So, you know, po- Pokemon is Pokemon is definitely here again, and I'm I'm very excited. Yeah, me too, me too. I'm I also haven't purchased Snap yet, but uh, I've I've told myself when I get a chance to kind of like you know dial back from the hecticness, I'll I'll, I'll do the same. Um, one more thing I want to add, uh, just or actually two more things I want to add. Just please go go ahead that. by all means. Yeah. Yeah, sure. It, it just in general terms for draft leagues. So one of the things is obviously with VGC, you have to kind of create your own teams in game. Here for draft leagues, all you have to do is just go on a showdown, put your team together, uh, from everything that you've drafted, put your sets in, and you just battle the other person right away. Very quick, very painless. Obviously, the planning part might take a little bit longer than being quick and painless, depending on who you're playing and how you play. But it's uh, it's definitely a lot more accessible, uh, in in a sense compared to VGC. Uh, another thing that I really like about uh, just draft leagues in general is the fact that you get to have so many undervalued or underused Pokemon step up to the forefront because not everybody's going to be running a team of fucking world beaters. Let's let's get that straight. Because of the how the tiered system works and how the extra point values work, you're not going to get a full team of 10 of like Dragapult, Landorus T, 
uh, Skarmory, Latios, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Like, that, 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 that's just not going to happen. So you have to fill, like, those roles. And looking at the lower-tiered Pokemon, like a Tier 3, Tier 4, or even a Tier 5, that can help you out. Or maybe even a, might be a favorite of yours. This this could be a chance to give it a shot and run it and uh, actually see some success if uh, if you're able to play it up to your potential. Yeah, no, I I think that's awesome. And that's, again, it's it's one of my favorite things about, like, watching these, like, yeah. different Pokemon formats. Like you said, you get to see some of these, you know, lesser-known Pokemon uh, shine a bit. You know, I, I always think fondly back to Seijun Park and Pachirisu, you know. <laughs> Bless that. Oh, yeah. that. That was a... A beautiful point in time, and spoiler alert: uh, Seijun Park is also very good at Super Smash Brothers because he qualified for the Smash World Tour uh, off, you know, uh, regional finals, which is absolutely bonkers when I found that out. So it was definitely a real glass shattering moment. And uh, it, again, I I love that sort of thing about Showdown, just taking like the weird, you know, like you know, are you like never used Pokemon and like somehow you know being able to make chicken salad out of chicken shit. Sometimes it, it's truly a, a work of art. Uh, turn one, me uh, sending out Lycanroc Midnight against the Scizor and countering its bullet punch because I had a sash. Godlike moment. <laughs> uh, brother. Woo! I'm sweating. My God. Like, oh, man. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, again, I'm going to have links to all of, of your of your Twitch stuff uh, below you know, in, in, the, in the video description and, and wherever you listen to the podcast. Um, so you guys can uh, please definitely check it out. You know, you, you uh, I, yeah, whenever I was able to catch, uh, tune in to the, you know, to the RBA, it was, it was awesome. And, I, I am awesome. very much looking forward uh, to season two, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, and we continue to have fun here, because like we mentioned at the top of the podcast, Mickle, yes. you and I both enjoy a, a sport, uh, the sport of basketball, outside of just enjoying, you know, Super Smash Bros. and all things nerdy, and, uh, oh, yeah. you know, for all you, you sports heads out there who've been dying for me to talk more about sports, uh, you know, for the few of you that I'm sure exist, um, we're going to be talking a bit about the NBA playoffs. So, as we mentioned at the top, you know, I, uh, you know, you are a, a Toronto Raptors fan, you know, through and through. Rough season for, for the for the for the team, you know, yeah. uh, definitely uh, getting handed handed the worst hand out of any team playing in the NBA this uh, year. Literally not playing a true home game uh, throughout the entire calendar year. I'm an obnoxious Knicks fan uh, who will be calling for a championship or bust this season as my team has, has risen from the ashes after eight long years of mediocrity. Uh, that was followed by one brief year moment of success, which since subsequently led to like 20 years of mediocrity. So it, it hasn't been fun. So uh, I, first I'll ask you, are you, are you, how much basketball did you actually consume this year? Cause like, I feel like with the pandemic and stuff, I, yeah. you know, I, I definitely was like, able to catch more games than I could. And obviously, you know, it helped that the fact that my team was actually good this year. So like, yeah. I was definitely more inclined to watch more basketball, but like how much basketball did you consume this year? And are you excited for the playoffs? That's dumb as a question. If that, that may be. Totally okay. No, no, it's a, it's a valid question. Obviously, you know, you're, uh, you're covering your bases. Anyways, <laughs> speaking of, we're, we're, this is, this is the wrong, uh, wrong sport to discuss bases. We're talking about hoops, but yeah. uh, we're here. Um, I didn't watch like an awful lot. Like I can't say like I went up every night and tuned in the game, but usually I'd find when the Raptors were playing and just kind of follow that and then just like follow up to another big marquee game going on. Um, I don't know. I guess just like with the pandemic, because I, I I felt like there was just a little too much going on, I guess, in a sense. When, once everything came back, like I loved watching the bubble. I'll be honest with you. That was just great entertainment because it was like the first one back and it was like, you know, 
everybody's in this one area congregating playing regular season games and they're just like playing the playoffs and it's like one 16 teams just kind of staying in the same area for like a few months yeah it was sick that, it was so cool that was i was hyped and then it, was, it just kind of like got back and i was like i don't know i'm just uh i'll watch from afar but i always like kept track of like highlights and all that jazz like maybe i watch more highlights than live games um this this past season not that's a bad thing because sometimes you there's like when you watch the highlights, you pay attention to a lot of things you weren't like looking at before. So, um, I did, uh, as I mentioned, follow my Raptors this season. Unfortunately, a bit of a down year, like you said, but you know what? Um, we had several things work against us, obviously, uh, being in Tampa for the whole season and not being able to go come to Toronto, uh, to play any games. It definitely affects the team a bit. Cause you know, some of the guys have been there for a while. They've had families there. So it's a little bit rough to kind of, have to adapt to such a weird situation and then like they're not even like your home fans per se even though you're kind of like renting out their spot uh early season we couldn't buy a win because we couldn't close out games that was a fun period uh we bounced back from that i think we got to 500 at one point and then covid hit our team like a fucking steam train at the end of february yeah and i think the season just fishtailed from there so yeah that um, was that was crazy i didn't realize like quite how bad that actually was until i like kind of like write up on the news on it but like nick nurse yeah. caught it at one point like everybody was like catching covid at some point and I, i'm you know i remember i'm looking at some of these lineups that they're throwing out and i'm just like who are these people <laughs> like like something like yeah. some the team was just and like you know a lot of teams definitely ran into that issue you know across sports as well i remember early in uh in the season uh, i i forget who it was but i know another team definitely ran into a similar issue and even later down the stretch i know i think washington ran into a similar problem as well so yeah. you know grant you know granted uh, it was one of those things where you know the, the league was able to work past it for the most part but it definitely leads to a competitive disadvantage especially like you said you're playing the entirety of your home games, not only just like in a, in a country that your native fans don't exist in, but you're playing in arguably the worst sports city in America. Florida sports fans are as yeah. bad as they say. I will get on my high horse and say that I've been to sporting events in Florida. I went to a Miami Marlins game. Like, I don't know, like five or six years ago. And like, Oh no, the, the stands, the stands fill up. But, like, everybody is so checked out by, like, the sixth inning. Now, granted, it's the Marlins. I get it. They were pretty fucking bad back then. But, like, even yeah. though it's just, like, you spend all this money to go to a baseball game to just, like, read, like, the, I don't know, the Miami Herald on your iPad when you're, like, six rows from, like, the third baseline? Like, what are we doing here? Like, this is I, – I didn't think it was actually as bad as it was until I saw it firsthand myself. So – that was that was definitely rough, but you know, listen, the the uh, the Raptors definitely are are I, I guess still feeling the effects of a championship hangover. They are two years removed from winning an NBA title. You know, there's there's some I, tra- go ahead. Yeah, I want I want I do want to say this. Like, obviously, the playoff run we had last season was also like kind of crazy because if we had beaten Boston in Game Seven, I think we could have gone to the final once again. It just wasn't meant to be uh, with uh, with what ended up playing out in the late game. But yeah, I think we really felt it this year, like you said. But that being that being considered, I think there's still a lot of positive points about this season. We got the chance to try out a bunch of young players, um, bringing in a few faces that I wouldn't have immediately pegged as contributors to the Raptors franchise. 
Um, obviously, I'm not sure if uh, the, these names are familiar, but uh, we brought in Ken Birch later on in the season, and he actually proved to be uh, actually quite good for us. You know, uh, I feel like Orlando misused that guy, and he's actually a native uh, native Montrealer. So shout out to Canada. Uh, Chris Boucher. Chris Boucher definitely had some moments this year where he uh, kind of went off. Very unassuming player to do so, but uh, <laughs> fun watch. And uh, the continued progression of uh, young fellows like OG, obviously, you know, Fred's had another, Fred has another year. Um, Gary Trent, who he traded for at the deadline, uh, obviously sent Norman Powell away. Definitely a little bit bittersweet there because I love Norm. Norm was a great contributor. Definitely rooting for him in the playoffs as well. But uh, Gary Trent was really good for us too. So I'm just excited to see uh, how many of the young ones, we, young guys we bring back. Uh, we have the seventh best uh, draft lottery odds as well. So we can definitely rebound if, uh, if everything goes our way next year. Yeah. So, yeah. You granted, you know, if, if, you know, obviously if the, if the ping pong balls bounce right, you know, you never know what could end up happening. And again, dude, there's still some, some good pieces here. I think obviously, you know, if, as a Raptors fan, I'm sure you, you heard a lot of the jargon of like, how are they going to recover in a post Kawhi Leonard sort of situation? And they found some, some great pieces there. Pascal Siakam, you know, averaged over 20 points a game, you know, Fred Van Vliet became, and, uh, over the off season, rightfully so the highest paid undrafted, uh, player of all time, uh, this past off season. yourself. Yeah, yeah. Listen, uh, go off, King. And I was definitely, I was definitely clamoring for the Knicks to throw the max at Fred Van Vliet in the off season. Yeah. And you know, granted that, knowing how things go now, I'm, I'm, I'm for the most part living with it. But uh, listen, I, I think you know, uh, there's, there's always you know bound to be you know uh, ebbs and flows with how basketball goes. There's always a lot of parity in basketball. I feel like compared to most sports, you know, some teams are are going to be god-awful for a while. Or at least, granted, some teams I think are just destined to be bad. Like, I think, team, I think um, you know, I, I feel like the Kings are just – yeah, the Kings are probably just, like, destined to be in mediocrity. Like, Detroit was god-awful this season. Orlando, like, at the aforementioned, you know, uh, Magic, haven't been able to get it right since, uh, you know, that one lone run to the finals over 10 years ago. Um, so, Rockets are going to be bad for a while. Yeah, that team looked horrible this year. Like, mm-hmm. sheesh. <laughs> but yeah like uh i'll be no for sure i think uh one of the things to note is that i've lived through a lot of bad years as a raptors fan myself um the period from 04 to 13 was filled with a lot of well 03 to 13 actually you know what? i'll stretch that a bit filled with a lot of pain a lot of <laughs> bad mismanagement uh players that didn't give it their all in the colors um disappointing draft pick after disappointing draft pick i'm sure you yeah. and i can both sympathize over uh a certain primo pasta enjoyer, uh, Ugh, Mr. Please. Andrea Bargnani. Fucking I'm sorry. Me. Oh my god. <laughs> Jesus but you know Christ. what? We we bounce back from that, and uh, I feel a lot more confident and assured about the team just in general compared to back then. And it's night and day. Um, now that I guess we've covered my block, obviously. Uh, now that you're now that I know you're like a massive Knicks fan and uh let's uh let's talk about your boys I'll uh let you bring the yeah. around I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised by them you know uh go ahead 100% <laughs> so like I am I obviously you know like I mentioned I don't I don't get a lot, a lot of opportunities to talk about sports but I love basketball basketball is like you know it's definitely uh tied with baseball I think as with my favorite sport now I've despite the fact that I root for you know a team that has been 
the butt of every, you know, NBA joke for the better part, you know, for again, it's been more so the last eight years, but you know, for a, a long time, the Knicks haven't been able to get it right under most circumstances. Um, but you know, for as long as I've been a fan of basketball, I, was, I started watching, you know, obviously when I was uh, a kid and stuff. So, you know, I got uh, the tail end of a lot of those, like, you know, okay, Knicks teams. And then like, you know, I start, you know, I blocking out years of like, you know, 2009 to like 2012 where like that team was just like trash buckets. And, you know, I'll, I'll touch back on that uh, at the end of the podcast for, for, you know, for some, for another reason that for a story that came out today, but I'm very excited. Listen, I had my, you know, obviously going back to, to last season, you know, there was so much talk about the Knicks, you know, being a pro, you know, premier destination for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving that, you know, people were saying there's no doubt that these players are going to come here. You know, that's why you brought in David Fisdale, you know, uh, who's, again, a, a player's coach, uh, so to say, you know, to to get these guys to, to show here. And then, you know, you come out of that offseason with, you know, Bobby Portis uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, with Bobby Portis, Julius Randle, um, yeah. you know, a lot of not great stuff. Reggie Bullock, obviously, and, you know, trading your the one good thing from the Phil Jackson era – in in Christoph Sporzingis for Trump change, you know, you 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 dumped off a, a once in a generation for yeah at the time, you know, retrospect hindsight's obviously twenty twenty at this point, but yeah at the time that was seen as a big deal. You're you're dumping off, you know, uh, a a a unicorn of a player, you know, a big guy that can that can shoot from the outside and and you know and you know play defense inside, you know, for Dennis Smith Jr. and a, and a gaggle of you know nobodies. So it was it definitely took me by surprise. It took me a while to heal from that. And that, you know, that 2019, 2020 season was rough. And then, you know, coming into the season, obviously, you know, I do that, that Knicks thing where I'm, you know, very excited, obviously a top 10 draft pick, uh, you know, turned into Obi Toppin, who again, with no NCAA tournament, it's really hard to get excited about a lot of those guys, but you know, Obi Toppin was the AP player of the year, you know, coming out of, uh, you know, uh, college, Last season, so I'm like, yeah, you know, I can get excited about this. It's another power forward when this team hasn't had a real point guard in over 15 fucking years. So, it's one. <laughs> you know, with, with a backcourt that has featured the likes of, you know, Pablo Prigioni, Jose Calderon, Tony Douglas. No? Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, Alexi Shrev, Langston Galloway, you know, again, stop me, uh, you know, <laughs> a, a, a real riveting backcourt of winners here. Chris Duhon, uh, he rested oh. back. Yeah, although still set the Knicks record for most assists in the game, by the way, though, so I'll put some respect on his name. And again, uh, 2015 Derrick Rose, who literally went AWOL. So there was a there was a lot of pain and suffering uh, from the point guard position for the Knicks, you know, for years. And again, as, as it's proven in the league, it's a point guard driven league. You know, it's like having a quarterback in football. You need one. So, you know, you think that the Knicks might draft, you know, a point guard. They draft a power forward and then, you know, they draft uh, this relatively unknown point guard with like, you know, their second first round pick. And everyone's just like, all right, whatever. Like, I don't know how to feel about this. And then you see them get in the court and it's like Tom Thibodeau and this coaching staff just like squeezed every ounce out of these players. What I am changing my tune on Julius Randall. I'm all in on it. I want them to, I, I, I want him to be a Nick for life. I wanted them to retire his Jersey. They won't because they'll retire for Bernard King first if they retire it at all. But I am I'm I'm all on board with it. I I think it's a great story. He's been great. Again, Reggie Bullock had a a, a rough 
first season as a Nick, and he turned into a real great 3 and D guy this season. You know, uh, the Knicks have always felt like an island of misfit toys for, like, you know, veterans that need a job and, like, you know, disgruntled, failed first-round lottery picks. And, you know, you, you saw a lot of that this past season. Julius Randle, for the most part, was written off as, like, you know, he's already reached his ceiling. For the most part, Nerlens Noel was looked at as merely a defensive specialist, and nothing, you know he's he's hopped around the league a lot as well. And then you know you got relative un, you know uh, unknowns in you know Emmanuel quickly, and then they trade trade for Derrick Rose randomly in the middle of the season. You know the Tibbs Derrick Rose thing was always kind of weird. And then you know you had some okay pieces in like you know Mitchell Robinson, and you don't know what you're going to get out of R.J. Barrett in a sophomore season, and everything just took a great step in the right direction and listen if you told me that this team was gonna you know if you told me that the Knicks were gonna play in the play-in game tonight I would be okay you know if, if they like you know got the ninth seed and lost I would have considered the season a win but they're a four seed they have home court advantage they have you know Julius Randle's definitely an all NBA player this year uh you know Emmanuel quickly um, you know has uh has become my adopted son I I want everything to do with him for the rest of my life and this team's really put it together and you know if they lose in the first round whatever if they get wait they win and get blown out by Philly in the next round I'll be okay but I can leave my house in Nick's gear and not fear for 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 being laughed at in public Mickle it's great and I and, and I love it and I'm so excited I I can't imagine you know uh obviously the last I, I'll, I'll extend this even further I think the last 20 years or so for the most part have been utter terror for you guys so like Seeing, I, 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 I know it's been said a lot. It, it sounds kind of corny, but the NBA is a better place when the Knicks are good. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. I think, I think if you have a team in a major market like that, that people immediately like reference when they think or talk about the NBA, the Knicks is usually the first on their list, no matter how good or how bad they are because of where they play, because of, you know, the history behind the team, because of all the big names that have been there. Um, Watching watching them play this season when I've had the opportunity to has been something of a throwback, you know? I'm not going to lie. Um, the league has taken a big jump in offense over the last several seasons, as we've seen, with uh, lots of people just running and gutting three-pointers. T- Tibbs has dialed it back a little and still made defense sexy, you know? Yeah. Um, I've seen so many games where they've held teams to, like, under 90 points and it's like that used to be commonplace but that's so rare nowadays and it's not appreciated enough because players and teams and everybody in general has just gotten so much better offensively the pace of the game has gone up and lo and behold they're they're able to play this style and eke out a lot of wins out of this i mean what they're 41 wins this season out of 72 games that's super impressive considering where they were a year ago that 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 can't just be attributed to obviously the coach has a lot of say in this but the mentality of the players buying in has been really really great to watch and i'll be real with you i also kind of laughed at randall after the first season you know called him beyblade and all that (laughs) just kind of like thinking it was just a waste of money and a dude who was just going to get his paychecks and produce when he wanted to and so on and so forth. But that, the dude became a triple-double machine. Yeah. Like, he became a triple-double machine, but not only that, his shooting percentages went way up. I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he shot around, like, 27% this se- last season from three? Last season? 
Yep. And he increased his three-point attempts and shot 41%. That is... I don't know what to say to that. That's that's just insane. Like, on top of all the other things he's done, obviously, you know, just not even the things that don't even show up on the score sheet. Like, he's been an incredible player. And obviously, MVP, I feel like, is going to another big individual uh, in the Mile High City this year. But uh, I yes. do think Julius Randle should be the nailed-on favorite for most improved player, given what he's been able to do this season. It's no, I, I, I agree. Yeah, no, I agree. It's And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, Kenny Payne has been a huge influence in the players in the locker room, you know, a former consistent in, in Kentucky. And again, the biggest laughing, the biggest running joke amongst the league is that the Knicks are just the Kentucky Wildcats of the North because of, half of their roster is played for John Calipari and the Kentucky Wildcats. But again, that, that makes a huge difference. And I think what you see with Julius Randle now is it really exploits an issue with you know, drafting players into the NBA is that, you know, you, you draft Julius Randle got drafted out as a freshman by the Lake when he got drafted by the Lakers. And, you know, granted he, you know, he had a lot of issues going into that. You know, he, he broke his ankle in his season debut. You know, he wasn't, uh, you know, necessarily right the whole time while he was there, but you know, he's a young guy in it, you know, and, you, I, I had to like remind myself that me and Julius Randle were born in the same year. We're both the same age. He's he's twenty six. I'm twenty seven. You know, so like it's ninety four. Yeah. So like <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like you know, so many times in this league, you know, people are just willing to just like throw away like, you know, the 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 potential of what a player can be instead of you know they're looking for that immediate success. They're looking for what a Tyrese Halliburton can can bring to the league. They want instant impact instead of you know what. Julius Randle might be. He's always been again a, a stats guy. You know, he's always averaged you know near twenty points a game. It's just it's always been about him putting it together. And this year, like you saw, he greatly improved his three point uh, percentages. There's some times where he's you know he's playing isolation ball. It looks like Carmelo Anthony from seven years ago. You know, he's isoed up against somebody, backing them into the corner and hitting you know a, a jumper from like twenty feet away, and it's it's buckets all day. So like yeah. to watch him develop his game like that has been great to see. You know, to be excited about a a Knicks backcourt that looks, you know, like you know competent. Obviously, Emmanuel Cookley has been a a great surprise in the league this year, but the return of Derrick Rose has been something yes. I was not expecting. That. I when they when I found out that you know they traded for Derrick Rose, I'm just like, oh god, it's Tibbs being Tibbs again. He just can't you know not be on a team without Derrick Rose in some capacity. And you know, listen, he's Derrick Rose has been he's been quintessential for this team. I thought you know he's averaging near like I think it's I forget what it is. It's like 18 or like 19 points a game off the bench or whatever. And I thought he should get some votes for six man of the year, but I think he missed too much time. Personally, that's probably going to go to. Uh, uh, to uh, what's his name? Uh, from the from the Jazz, Eric Clarkson. Oh, uh, Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles. Or uh, they're actually Joe, it's either Joe Ingles or Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, Jordan either Clarkson. Of them are yeah, well, yeah. One, yeah. One, one or two of them are probably going to get uh, six man of yeah. the year. But you know, Derrick Rose has been an instrumental. Like you know, I'm watching him play basketball, and you know, this is the 10 year anniversary of him winning the MVP back in, yeah. in 2000 in 2011, and he's doing Derrick Rose things. He's, he's he's crossing people up in the paint. He's, he's getting to the basket and scoring. He's shooting better from three-point percentage, and there's been games where he's had to carry off of the bench. You know, he's had to be the guy that, that you know, scores, uh, along, you know, second or third alongside Randall or Barrett, you know, when one of those guys just doesn't have it. And he's been very vocal about, you know, how this time in New York was good for him, how he got it, how 
you know, how he looks at it as a blessing in disguise. He got his mind right. You know, he had to learn how to be, you know, uh, you know, a, a third fiddle when he came here the first time back in 2015. And he's turned that into like being a pretty decent bench player for the last like, you know, five or six years for, you know, a couple of other teams. So it's been a great story. And I am expecting him to see a lot more playoff minutes. You know, yes. if, uh, for every game I have to watch Alfred Prayton start, I just die a little bit on the inside. Like, I'm sure he's a very nice man, but my God, it's just like it's painful to watch. But he's not worth it, man. <laughs> no, it's not. It, it's it's not. And you know, wh- wherever this might go, you know, <clears throat> I would I I'm not exactly sure what the plans are going to be. I have a feeling that a a trade might be happening this offseason. I don't know with who. It could be Bradley Beal. It could be somebody else. I don't know what they're going to do without, like, fucking up the feng shui of this team. But, like, there's young players to be excited about. You know, R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Cookie, like I mentioned. Um, you know, Julius Randle, again, still super young. Mitchell Robinson, you know, before oh, he got hurt, was having a great year this season. And Nerlens mm-hmm. Noel is starting to do a great story this year, too. Defensive, like, stalwart. He's been huge in so many of these games. So it's one of those things where, again, the Knicks have always been really good at picking up, you know, players like Derek Williams and Brandon Jennings and all these failed lottery picks I could go on for days talking about. But, you know, some of these guys that they've, that they've picked on, on picked up of on recent years have been uh, stellar. Now, do I expect the Knicks to make it? If, if the Knicks win, do I expect them to get past Philly? Absolutely not. No. That, that team is fucking, <laughs> Philly is, Philly is fucking disgusting. That team, as much as I hate to admit it, the process has, has, has worked out. And they, they, again, Ben Simmons and, Matisse Stiebel are going to be all NBA defensive team this year. Joel Embiid will get votes for MVP. You know, that team is is solid, and the Nets are obviously solid. So, you know, there's there's so much to talk about there. But it's been a great story for me personally as a Knicks fan. I'm really excited. And, again, the Western Conference is exciting too. You know, we mentioned, you know, uh, uh, Jokic is probably going to win MVP. Rightfully so. Yep. He's been great all season. The story of Phoenix has been absolutely fantastic. Um, Mother turnaround. You know, I, I, I think – yeah, and it's great for them. Again, random Nick legend, uh, Langston Galloway. Uh, providing great backup minutes, it said no one ever. But you know, I've I've always been a huge fan of Chris Paul, so I yeah. I I hope to see that team. You know, maybe get their chances here. Utah's been you know the only team that's been like consistent all season, <clears throat> and you know I'm if, if the Lakers win again, whatever. You know, <laughs> I'll be I'll be fine. You know, Le- LeBron is is in Space Jam. You know, I can't give a shit about what he does anymore. You know, he's he's done everything. He has he has nothing left to prove. So. I'm really excited. Do you have a, a, a pick for what the finals is going to look like? What, what, what are you feeling? Oh, this is this is rough because um, obviously with with how the regular season has gone. And again, like I think especially in a season like this, you can't really put too much stock in the regular season because of, you know, certain teams having a uh, much shorter return to play than others. Like, see the Lakers in the Heat. Lakers are in the seventh seed. Heat are in the sixth seed, respectively. Boston's at the seven as well. So there were definitely some teams that were affected quite a bit, trying to, I guess, keep pace in the regular season, but still eke out a playoff or a play-in spot. Um, Regardless, I think uh, our NBA Finals matchup is going to be Lakers versus Sixers. I think the Nets don't have enough games with the big three together that I think they're going to run into some problems from the second round onwards. They they probably will beat the Bucs. I know Giannis has been feasting on them, but again, the Bucs have been kind of iffy in the playoffs themselves. We'll see how they do with Drew. Um, I just think the Sixers, with what they have, uh, their, their defensive steal, um, obviously Embiid elevating himself to an MVP level as well this season. Um, 
I think they they're just gonna have too much uh, for for Brooklyn and everybody else in the East and uh, the Lakers. You know, listen, they're in the playoff game, and you know, based on what happened tonight, things could definitely shift a little bit for them. But uh, I feel confident enough in that team if they have all their pieces. AD and LeBron did sit for a majority of like the second half of the season, so if they've got them back and they're healthy, I think they get back to the final for sure. Whether they win it all is another question entirely. I think I put them as a slight favorite, but we'll see. Yeah, no, that that's that's a, a great point as well. Um, as much as I want to ride my Knicks all the way to the finals, that is not going to happen in any sort of fashion. But mark my words, if the Knicks make it, like if the Knicks beat the Sixers, I won't shut up about it for the rest of my life. Like I'm looking at, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at every single one of my Philadelphia area sports fans. Um, I'm looking you all in the eye, and I am, I am, I'm being the most obnoxious son of a bitch you'll meet in your entire life. But that's not in a perfect world. That's not going to happen. I think the Sixers. I think this is their time. You know, they've definitely played second fiddle. You know, to you know the LeBron-led Cavs, and obviously having their heart ripped out of their chests. You know, by Kawhi Leonard and company. You know, a couple of years ago. I think this is finally their time where they get everything, you know, operating on on a level where they can they, they can definitely make a finals run. I really, I'm I. It's so hard in the West because every you know Utah has been like I said great all season. Um, I just don't know what their makeup's gonna look like when they get to the you know if they have to play like a, a Clippers you know with a couple of superstars and stuff. Uh, if they get past Dallas, uh, I don't know how they're gonna com- you know combat. You know whether it be the Lakers if they can get past Phoenix. I think if I think if you're Phoenix, you you want Golden State to win this game because yeah, I think, I, like I I think the the one team that, that gave them fits this season was the Lakers. So I think if if you're Phoenix, you know, and obviously it'd be a great story for the NBA. Steph Curry has been an absolute menace to society uh, this year. You know, God God help God help him. He's he's been absolutely amazing. But um, is it crazy to say that we predicted this would happen as soon as Clay went down? I yeah it's 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 I'm not shocked you know Steph once you saw how you know Durant left and Steph and you know Clay was going to be out for another season again you know and you know granted some people were like oh you know the, the Warriors got pretty lucky in landing you know the second pick of the draft and they got you know James Wiseman who for you know not anything to himself didn't really pan out you know as great in his first season granted he got hurt you know and and, and wasn't able to to finish it out, but Steph Curry has has turned back the clock and has reminded us all that he's the best shooter in in in, uh, in NBA history. He could have been a Nick, but you know I'm I'm done being upset about it. Uh, Jordan Hills was a great random Nick legend. Uh, I'm still. Sorry. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. It hurts. It hurts right here. Um, Listen, funny. if you feel about Minnesota fans, feel even worse about that. But anyway, true, <laughs> true. Very well played, sir. But. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say fuck it. And I'm going to say Phoenix makes it to the finals because I think, Ooh. I think the, I think Chris Paul has been a, a godsend to his team this year. I didn't know how him and Devin Booker would work together. Spoiler alert. It's been great. And Chris and Chris Paul is still like a man's man point. God, he's one of my favorite players uh, to watch. And, you know, the development of Deandre Ayton has been great. You know, miles bridges has been a, a great player for them this season too. Um, was it which which bridges is it on Phoenix? Is it Mikhail or Miles? I think it is. It's Miles, right? Uh, Miles is actually on the Hornets. Mikhail is the one that's on. Yeah. Well, I, regardless, both both bridges have been has been fantastic. In, yeah. Uh, 
<clears throat> you know, for their respective teams. Now, granted, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Lakers, you know, beat the beat the the, the Warriors into submission and they go on right. and, and win it all. And at, at the time we're recording this, uh, Memphis has a slight lead over the San Antonio Spurs. Who cares? <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think my, my finals prediction right now, I'm, I'm going uh, I'm going Phoenix and, and, and Philly, and I think Philly will win it that in like six games. Let's go with that. I guess I'll, I'll cap off my prediction by saying – Lakers in seven. That's not a that's, that's not a bad choice. So yeah. we've, so we we we've, we've been going at it for, for for quite a bit here. But before we get out of here, I I couldn't close up this podcast without talking about again a, a player who has crossed both Raptors, uh, you know, b- both the Raptors and the New York Knicks. Uh, Jeremy Lin potentially yes. anou- announcing today that he, it, it's it's hinting that he is potentially retiring from the NBA. Jeremy Lin, if you're not you know, uh, has spent this past season. Or at least, uh, you know, in, for for the most part, this whole season in the uh, in the G League for the Santa Cruz Warriors, um, and you know, did not receive a call up to the NBA. So, he released a very long post today, kind of insinuating that he's probably hanging it up at the ripe age of thirty three. You know, obviously, you know, Jeremy Lin won a championship with the uh, Toronto Raptors. I have to put respect on his name and say that. True. And uh, he provided the best twelve game stretch in New York Knicks recent memory, back from that awful two thousand twelve. 2013 season uh you know Lin's and so uh Mikkel what, what are your thoughts on, on Jeremy Lin as, as a whole as, a, as an NBA player I feel like I feel like he never got a fair shake you know um I I'll admit I wasn't expecting Lin Sanity to take off like it did uh when it did um but uh after that obviously all the, there were all the rumors backstage about how you know I guess uh I can't confirm or deny this, but Mello wasn't a big fan of him, and then they shipped him off to Houston. Oh, one hundred and ten percent. That was real. Yeah. That was real. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, okay. Like, yeah. It, like Carmelo. One of the the biggest things that like you know sports. If you listen to any like sort of like basketball person in in the in New York, okay. they'll tell you that one of the biggest things that they wish is that Carmelo Anthony just played a little bit nicer with Jeremy Lin. Uh, but yeah, yeah, if Carmelo Anthony just played a little bit nicer in general, I think the Knicks might have been a lot better off. You're right. Yeah, please don't get me started. <laughs> but hey. Uh, in terms of his overall career, like he, he put up solid numbers wherever he went. Uh, I guess, you know, turnover turnover rates be damned. Um, but definitely looked like he was about to take it to another level in Brooklyn because he uh, he actually played there for a couple of seasons, uh, if you remember. Uh, yes. Joined them in 2016. He actually uh, went back up to his Nick averages uh, in points per game of 14.5. And then the first game, actually, he only played one game the next season because he got injured and tore his ACL, I believe, that very first game. And he had 18 points. And I, I just want to think what could have been, because I think that really just, like, robbed him of, of you know, a, a several more years in the league, in my opinion. Um, obviously, he had to sit out for a year. Then he played. He joined the Hawks the next season. We traded for him. Or I don't know if we w- – w- did we trade for him? I'm trying to think of how we, we got – oh, it was waivers. It was waivers. Yeah, it was waivers, he got yes. Out. He, it was waivers. He got bought out. He joined us. He wasn't particularly good for us, unfortunately. <laughs> there was actually a point in the 2019 playoffs where people wanted him to start over Van Fleet because Freddie wasn't actually playing that well in that series. Reason being is that he didn't actually match up that well with Philly, uh, height-wise. So they were like, kind of all over him, and people wanted to see Lynn. Uh, we didn't get Lynn, but uh, we did get a comeback in the series, and uh, Van Vliet was, uh, as you know, kind of turned it on, and the rest was history, as they say. Um, but yeah, I'm glad we got him a ring. Sad to see him go. Seems like one of the nicest dudes out there too. 
Um, that's why I kind of wanted it to work out for him a little bit more. But at least he gets to retire with uh, with the championship and, uh, you know, a lot of good memories. Yeah, no, 100%. Listen, the, the story is, is great. You know, an undrafted kid out of Harvard, you know, uh, ended up, again, Linsanity was, was monumental. Being able to, like, witness that in the real time. You know, granted, I was, you know, a freshman in high school at the time. You know, I was still the pretty fresh and you know don't remember a whole lot about anything from you know 10 plus years ago but it was in, it was crazy listen it was in a period of time where again the Knicks had a a plethora of problems at the point guard position um Carmelo Anthony was hurt everybody was hurt um this was the uh, I believe the you know they waved Chauncey Billups Tony Douglas was the yeah. starting point guard he was trash <laughs> Uh, they, 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 I think they claimed Baron Davis off of waivers. Baron Davis couldn't stay healthy. So I think they ended up trading for Mike Bibby at some point. And oh, no. Mike Bibby was, you know, your backup point guard. And Jeremy Lin at one point was almost cut, you know, to make room for, you know, for somebody else on the roster. Um, but, at, you know, at the end of a game, Mike D'Antoni's like, fuck it, let's see what he's got. And, you know, he showed some promise. And then, you know, cap off, you know, go on a 12-game a stretch where, you know, he became a legend, you know, uh, out, you know, out dueling Kobe Bryant, uh, you know, in a game against the Lakers, you know, that game winner against the Raptors, you know, absolutely uh-huh. just putting on a, a fucking show. And it was it was great. Again, in a time period where the Knicks were still, you know, building towards something, you know, bigger there again, one season away from really, you know, putting it all together, um, you know, uh, to to get to that 50 win season. And listen, I, I wish in a different world, Carmelo Anthony, like we said, could have played a little bit nicer with Jeremy Lin. You know, I think Carmelo Anthony's definitely come around a bit more to being like the second fiddle, you know, as he's prolonged his career, you know, the, the last few years. Um, but I, it was a, it was a great story. You know, it was, it was fun to watch in the moment. And again, he, he, uh, you know, made some uh, promising stops in other places, you know, a brief stint with the Lakers, obviously, you know, he's, he's really played, he's performed, you know, pretty well you know in most places that he's gone and again that season in brooklyn where you know things were really turning around for him before he uh you know it all kind of uh went south for him but listen it it was a great story then it's still a great story now i'm looking forward to what he does you know uh you know next in his career he's he's super smart i've listened to a lot of interviews with him he's a super super high basketball iq so i i hope i i hope you know somewhere there's a podcast for him or like you know some at, you know, network throw some money out of the be like an in-game analyst because that would be great. So you know, uh, if it is indeed a career for Jeremy Lin, you know, Godspeed to your friend. You are, uh, you know, you you are great. Lin Sandy brought me a lot of joy, a lot of memes, <coughs> and those games are still a lot of fun to watch. Highlight clips of you know every uh, oh, yeah. every, every couple of months. So yeah, I'll, I'll admit, like I actually just watched his uh, the highlights of his game against us when he hit the game winner. Yeah, a few weeks back. <laughs> You know what? Listen, I, it, it, the loss sucks, but uh, it was just fun seeing that in action and getting a chance to... I think it was also on, like, Asian Heritage Night. Like, it just kind of happened to be that night, I think. And then he was there. And then, it like, the whole place just went, like, crazy when he hit that game winner, so... Yeah, no, it, it, it was great stuff. So, you yeah. know, if it is a career for Jeremy Lin, you know, uh, best of luck in your, your second career, whatever you choose to do. But, yeah. listen, we, we've been going for... Uh, we've been going for a bit over an hour, Mikkel. So uh, I think we're, we're getting ready to, to wrap things up here. So first and foremost, I want to thank you for sitting down and talking to me today. This is a lot of fun. I knew you were going to be a great talk because we've always had great conversations, you know, at, at tournaments and stuff. And, you know, I look forward to giving you a fully vaccinated hug at some point in the future. And again, thank you so much for, uh, for, for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. 
very welcome, Koopa. And likewise, um, you know I'm one for hugs as well. I definitely do give out a few of those myself. So uh, once I uh, am fully vaccinated, uh, TBD, <laughs> we'll yeah. uh, we'll definitely have to to make up on that and catch up from where we left off. You know, yeah, as yes, we sir. do. Yes, sir. So where can the people at home find you? Uh, go ahead and plug all your stuff right now. Absolutely. So the people at home can find me on Twitter is where I'm most active. Uh, my uh, my handle is Mickle and Co. Co as in CEO, as in company, as in whatever you want to call it. The Co is whatever you want it to be, but that's where you'll find Mickle and Co. That's my Twitter. That's also my Twitch. Uh, I believe that is also my Instagram. I'll be honest, I don't really use Instagram much, but feel free to follow me if I ever do become active. <laughs> um, there you go. This Discord, I am just Mickle. Uh, my number is 9812, if that's important, if you need to find me at any point. Um, also, uh, one more thing, uh, if you want to stay up to date on RBA news, uh, season two signups, I'll have as my pinned tweet once they're ready on my Twitter. So all you have to do is find there. You can join the discord through that and, uh, you can look forward to uh, seeing what's happening in the upcoming season. It's going to be a show and I hope you all take part. Yeah. And, and again, this will all be in the description of, you know, wherever you listen to your podcast and on the, uh, on the YouTube description when this goes up on Saturday. Uh, so again, uh, again, if you guys want to find me, uh, you can find me on Twitter at KoopaNJ across uh, Twitter and Twitch and Instagram again if you want to use it. Follow the show at KoopedUpPod. Email us questions at KoopedUpPod at gmail.com. And again, we are available wherever you get your podcasts at. So, you know, uh, subscribe to us on Spotify. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We can get better exposure on the platform. You know, leave you know leave a thumbs up or the YouTube video. You know, whatever you can do uh, to, to promote the content and stuff. So, uh, Again, appreciate you guys for listening. And as always, uh, have yourselves a wonderful time. And take care, ladies and gentlemen.